Hey folks, well, welcome to uh, episode 33 of Biomast. Uh, appreciate everybody joining us tonight after uh, a, uh, a nice weekend, nice long weekend, and uh, everybody starting to get ready for the uh, Christmas season. Uh, we had a, a great session last week with C.C. Piritati, and uh, we've culled a bunch of questions and topics from uh, his conversation in the 1.10 drop, uh, release drop that uh, has come out in the interim. So we've got a lot of stuff to talk about tonight, but uh, as always, we're taking your comments on Skype and Twitter, uh, you know, or mailing this in game, whatever we're monitoring it all during the show. So, um, we've got a pretty good little handful of guests on tonight. Might have one or two join us later. So, uh, with that, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, and we're going to go ahead and do our intros. We'll start, uh, from bottom to top with Sarai Zell. You're trying to get me off guard, aren't you? Um, I'm sorry, I'm a, oh, okay. member of uh, CPM1, uh, leader of the Top Metal Alliance, and um, a co-host here on the show. Pokey? Uh, Pokey Draven from OSG Planetary Operations and also a co-host here on Biomast. Legidic Menaheim. Legidic? Jadik Menaheim, uh, CEO of Zerk Cloud Consortium and recent operator of the New Eden Pleasure Bot. This has a lot of potential that we're going to discuss at some point in the show. Be a I pleasure. can assure you. <laughs> okay. And uh, Iron Wolf? This is Iron Wolf Saber of the CPM1 um, Secretary, and nice to meet you all. Awesome. And Hinox? Uh, hi, my name is Hinox. I post things on the forums. Usually, currently, I'm a partner of Jadik now. Did did you just call him Jadik Manhammer? Oh, very well then. <laughs> I wish I did. <laughs> okay, well, uh, and we, yeah, we're, we're tracking your mic. Mic is coming in a little bit quiet, but uh, we'll we'll, we'll struggle through that one. Uh, and my name is Jason Larison. I am uh, one of the co-hosts here on Biomast, and I am a member of OSG Planetary Operations and Dust. And I fly with Agony Unleashed on the Eve side. Uh, so. Uh, Kind of, kind of hard to follow up last week when you got like uh, the Duke of Dust on, uh, if you will, CCP Rattati. Uh, for the record, one of the number one comments we got out of last week's show, but I just want to go ahead and get this on the table. We were all very much taken surprised by this. Two things went on just behind the scenes. This is like a little bit of behind the curtain, so you guys all know. So this is basically how this goes down. About 10 minutes before the show, we're trying to pull on our normal guests. And, um, and Zell's like, guys... Guys, I think Ritati's on. And we're like, yeah, you mean next week? And he's like, no, I think he's on now. And we're like, what? So there, there was this brief moment where we had to, um, you know, ask a couple guests to step back and, and bring Ritati on so we could kind of clear the floor for him. But there was this, um, a good 30-second period where where I was, you know, channeling all of my Bill O'Reilly as I was screaming over, over Skype. Fine, we'll do it live. We'll do it live. And it just it worked out beautifully though. So I, I just would like to uh, to give you guys a little sense behind the curtains how the production of the show I say quote unquote air quotes production goes. Um, but uh, big shots to Ritati for coming on. <laughs> but one of the other things we got out of that last week, other than some really good dope that he was dropping on us, uh, and I don't mean the dime bag variety, although Hinox can talk to that at some point, um, was really like his absolute and utter lack of Icelandic Viking. Uh, accent. I was really disappointed by that. Uh, I was looking for something more, uh, yeah, you, you know, more menacing, maybe a little bit, little, little bit growly, you know, 
a lot of really thick sort of like guttural tones, but I, I got none of that. So uh, that being said, if you've ever seen a, a picture of CCP or Toddy, here's my little challenge to everybody. Number one, he's an absolutely awesome dude. And uh, I, I absolute props to him for coming on the show and, and talking to us. Uh, that's something that you don't see very often. Um, developer Developers that'll come on or any game company that'll come on and actually physically engage with um, with players. Uh, so that was a great thing. But if you ever look at a picture of him, which you can see on his uh, on Twitter or on on the Eve page or the CCP page, he looks just like Will Wheaton. For the record, just do yourself a favor, just compare and contrast. So I had this image in my head of it was really juxtaposed. But anyway, a lot of great information came out of that. He talked a little bit about uh, the 1.10 update uh, and some of his really some of his vision for the future. Uh, and by the future, we're talking about the short-term future, probably the next uh, quarter or so, next three to four months. Uh, so some of the things that's, that's happened that we kind of just want to set the stage for is 1.10 has dropped. Um, you know, all the brouhaha about bandwidth, that went in. And for the record, I called it. He said, I hope that this goes over well. And I said, it's going to be a grease fire, but I'm sure it'll be, be all okay. It is, for the most part, all okay now. But... I did call it, it was a grease fire for about the first three days. So um, we've also had the advent of the daily missions, which I think generally people tend to like. Um, I've heard a few beefs about it uh, that we can get into, but um, not only did we get the daily missions, but we got the infamous encoded strong box, uh, which generally people are okay with. What they're not really okay with is the hacked key that allows you to get into said encrypted strong box. At least the you know the general lack of keys and drops and the arm push to get those, um, so those are kind of the big things that are, that have sort of been going on. Uh, and what I would like to do is kind of open it up to the floor really really quickly to uh, Iron Wolf Saber and uh, Srizel. If you guys have anything that's specific to CPM uh, announcements or business that you wanted to kind of put out on the audience. Well, let's not talk both at once now. <laughs> okay. Uh, we scheduled another meeting of um, pretty soon. Uh, coming up with um, JC uh, topics will be, of course, uh, not known. But um, other than that, we've been uh, trying to go through hot, uh, hot fix one, well, not hot fix, uh, patch deployment 1.10, and working on hot fix echo. And lots of feedback, lots of information to be going through. And it's just lots of uh, lots of things to be uh, trying to trying to convince uh, CCP Vitality to look at and. Um, Try to see things the players' way or our ways, and just it's it's been rather hectic these last weeks with the holidays and everything as well. Yeah, I'm just curious. What's the uh, I don't I don't know if you guys even get into it, but are they looking at putting out the uh, the Echo hotfix probably like mid January if they hold to their schedule? I assume there'd be like some variance with the holidays. Oh, they are in Shanghai, and the holidays that celebrate they are required to celebrate over there are slightly different from um, most of the world. Uh, their New Year's is like, for example, around was it uh, February? Was it? Mm, yeah, I think so. I mean, other than the usual vacations that everyone likes to take around this time, is um, yeah, I do expect a little wind down in activity as well. But but as far as, as far as we know, we don't know what's. Uh, Exactly, don't know what the exact schedule is, but the narrative for Echo is out. So feel free to discuss um, discuss things on it. Okay, all right, that'll work. Uh, let's see. So Zell, anything from you, brother? As usual, nothing. Um, okay, 
So let's let's kind of move on into uh, the, uh, the 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 discussion about the lock boxes, which we did get a couple tweets about right before the show. So um, uh, Iron Wolf Zell, if you guys can give us like a real quick rundown of sort of what the daily missions are and and the lockbox drama, if you will, uh, I would appreciate that, and we'll just kick that around uh, to the guys for a minute. Okay, loot crates are, well, the lockboxes are basically loot crates that many other free-to-play MMO shooters have been enjoying. Basically, you play the game and you get these boxes every so often. And Dust 5104, you will get them through daily missions, salvage, and um, you can possibly buy, buy them as well. Now, to unlock these boxes, usually requires a key. Most free-to-play games often offer these keys at a pay price, with no um, alternative way to get them. At least in Dust 514, there is a chance that the key will drop from salvage, but it's fairly low. And there's also a chance that um, you can get them through daily missions. Some of, them, some of the missions are offered as a reward itself, and some of them requires the completion of all daily missions. The daily missions is a activity tracking um, system that allows players to get reward for do, uh, for playing the game proper. Okay. So now the the way this is starting to funnel in is that the getting the boxes themselves are pretty easy, right? Uh, you can get shoot you know twenty or thirty a day if you're really getting after it, um, and maybe if you're if the kind of daily missions roll in your your favor. But I think the issue is really the encrypted keys to open the boxes, right? That's sort of the the rarity of those items. Yes, we have it. We have uh, CPM has expressed um, the community concern about the boxes heavily outnumbering the keys. So we're looking into possible solutions to it. I, and um, I, I, told, I said this, uh, I think, to you before the show, is I, I think uh, personally for me, I think payout, pay salvage, all of it, that the reward for the game really needs a overall um, look at because there's things that don't drop nearly enough. There's other things that probably drop too much. Um, payout tends to be low in, in game modes that it definitely deserves to be higher in. Um, stuff like that. I, I think that salvage as a whole needs to be looked at more heavily. Okay, I mean, I mean that's pretty fair. Now, have you guys actually tried to open some of these boxes yet? I haven't yeah. got any keys to open them. <laughs> Had mixed so success with them. How, how many have you opened up, Jadek? Uh, let's see. I think about ten. But did, yeah, you, was a, did you pay for any? Uh, I bought. Uh, I wanted to try out that pack of ten you could get for uh, the bundle. Oh, okay, okay. So right. yeah, it was a mix of uh, advanced gear and uh, a couple prototype things too. They had a uh, pirate gear mixed in there as well, which is interesting. Hmm. Uh, you know, I, I would say generally, if anything coming out of one of those boxes should be at a minimum prototype gear. Uh, I don't. I don't think there's. That was the other thing I've noticed that I think a couple of people got like twenty standard forge gun. You know, like like stuff that you generally certainly would never pay Orem for. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that was one of the other beefs is that it was a little bit hit or miss. I mean, there was some decent stuff in there. Um, but you also had a shot at getting some really, really like Walmart level jazz too. So yeah. I think that well, was I kind mean, of the beef. Then on the, the other end of things is there was um, someone who pulled Balak's assault suits, which were supposed oh, to never Kane ever be did available. not like that. Yeah, Kane, Kane pitched a fit because they were never ever supposed to be available in game again, and apparently they can be pulled out of those boxes too. So I think it's a, I think it's it's a bit of a, like buying a lottery ticket. Yeah, some people got uh, Omega boosters as well out of them. Really? Oh, that's pretty high energy. I, I can I can deal with that. 
It was like only one one to three days, but nonetheless, it's still a mega booster. Yeah, no, that's yeah. not bad at all. Well, I mean, particularly because you can stack these things now. Um, it's it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I think my main concern is that because the boxes are dropping so much more frequently than the keys, that it it becomes a point where you have so many boxes that you know you can't open that you don't really care about getting more, and it kind of removes the incentive to actually do missions to, to get those boxes. So, Pokey, what do you think if we could switch that around? Like, the drop rate of the keys would be much more than the boxes themselves. Eh, it's kind of the same deal, then. I mean, you've got a bunch of keys you can't use because you don't have the box to open them. I mean, it's, it's kind of the same deal. I mean, it I seems like you could get to a point where you could, like, break those keys down yeah. for something else. Yeah, I, I think if there's a good exchange program, like, trading boxes for keys or whatever, obviously a, a, a large ratio. I mean, some reason that the boxes are useful beyond sitting in your inventory until you eventually get a key right. for it. But I mean, at the rate that's going right now, I've gotten, I think, one key and I have like 50 boxes. And I haven't really been playing that much. And I'm like, oh, I got a box, but I don't care because I can't open it anyways, you know? Yeah, I think it was Arcana, uh, or Inspire was commenting on the forums that had enough to, like, you'd have to pay, it's like 150,000 orum to unlock the boxes. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I think it's fine that if, if CCP wants to sell keys, I mean that's fine. They that's it's certainly an interesting way to make money, but when the ratio is so so steep in one direction, it's kind of frustrating that it's like, well, okay, how badly do you want me to buy these keys rather than you know? Yeah, I, I, I think uh, the drop rate on the boxes is too high from what I'm hearing, and uh, yeah, I, I like the idea of say like turning in ten, you know, ten or twenty boxes or whatever for a key, that sort of thing. You're trading in you know, the potential chances for one you can actually, you know, use. Sure, I'll buy that. But but again, you then you have to make the contents of the box like pretty legit though. Yeah, that's what I was suggesting swapping the keys well, again, for what's the what's the price on the key keys again? Uh eight hundred orum or it's less if you buy it in a bundle. Okay. What forty cents I think. Yeah, because I mean that does sound a a bit high for for such a grab bag of a lottery, but you know, I don't know. I mean, you get, you have the potential to get quite, quite rare stuff from it too. So, it's it's a balancing act. And I think um, the big thing is that uh, it was getting the system in the game, and it it can be hot fixed and tweaked and adjusted as necessary now. Right. Yeah. Jack does bring up a good point though that if you swap the the drop rates, then buying a key is is a bit more uh, important than just having. Because, I mean, at that point, if you've got the box and you don't have the key, then you can, you know, buy the key. But, I mean, if you've got so many boxes, it comes to a point where it's like, there's no way in hell I'm going to possibly, you know, buy these keys to open it. So, I, I could see some merit in exploring that. Hi, Nox. Did you have something? I was actually maybe Perhaps you could have like, different tiers of chests. Like, you'll have a small chest, a medium chest, a large chest. Yeah, a different value chest could be a good thing, too. I mean... I always keep thinking about time if we could get player trading and then trade these chests. Yeah. And maybe like the rare chests would be have like a confirmed yeah, that that's not a bad idea. Like a minimum payout that you're guaranteed this or higher. Hey um Kit hey Pogan, can you paraphrase uh Hinox a little bit. We're having a couple of guys having a hard time hearing him in the channel. Yeah, if if I if I heard him correctly, forgive me if I didn't. Basically, saying that there's different either sizes or grades of boxes that you can you can get, and then 
you you can get basically use the key in the box and guarantee you know this amount of something or this tier of something or above. So at least when you use a key in a box, you know you're going to get at least a minimum of something out of it, opposed to you know a, a crapshoot of it might be standard, it might be proto, you know. So that that's why I heard him say, but it, it's really hard to hear him. I remember playing a bunch of Mass Effect Three, the multiplayer there, and that's the system that they used. Basically, uh, you can invest in the type of crate you wanted. You had your mercenary, your veteran, and then like your elite box, and then your uh, whatever the, uh, the specter box, something like that. And you get a, like a confirmed percentage on like the rare loot that you wanted. It's basically what I was trying to talk about. I have a lot of uh, so I might just move over to the chat. Yeah. So one of the things I was kind of noticing is, is generally. Um, it, th- now, this might be an interesting comment for both Iron Wolf and Zelda to kind of uh, give some insight on, but uh, a couple a couple of the beefs in general about the daily missions, um, and definitely was in, in the minority, but what they said kind of made a little bit of sense was that if you, that, that the log boxes might be taking the place of uh, salvage items after match that you would normally be able to use. So like, you you are foregoing your chance of getting useful salvage by getting a lockbox that you can't open uh, as part of the salvage package that you get at the end of the match. Uh, does that kind of make sense? Uh, yes. Uh, we uh, CPM has recognized that the salvage system is not ideal. It's not perfect. There's lots of flaws in it. I mean, one of the things we would like to see happen more often in all game modes, uh, things you help kill wind up on the loot table. <laughs> And I, ideally, in my personal preference, I would like to get. I would like to have a chance at salvaging stuff from the people I kill. So when I put in a ton of effort to go kill someone with an officer weapon, then I have a decent chance of being the one to get that officer weapon. That'd be yeah, really fair cool. enough. I think another issue people were having with the mission rewards was um, some of the rewards required you to get a certain amount of like SP at the end of match. And the only way to get some of those higher tier ones, it felt like for people, was to pay the Aurum booster end of match. Yeah, I saw a couple of those that seemed a bit off to me. Well, they also have some where they want you to activate five of the the instant boosts, which cost Aurum, in order to get SP, which I thought was interesting. Is it, I didn't get a list of all the missions beforehand, so I didn't have a chance to be looking at these things. I mean, so. if you think about it, like in order to complete one of the missions you must buy Aurum. That's literally what it said. Or you can re-roll for Aurum. Yeah. Now, now do, bear in mind, I don't think that any of this is like evil or nefarious. No, no. Uh, it's but it is, helping that, us it get is, content. Yeah, it's it's an absolute clear change in, in sort of how the flow of the game works. Um, and and two, and an interesting point that I think Pyrex even made in one of the videos he released uh either today or yesterday, was that um, CCP, if you look back, particularly those of us that have been playing for a long time, they have been really, 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 really good about not pushing any of this on us, maybe to the point where it hurt them about uh, trying to show how how profitable dust could be. Uh, And basically what what they're doing is what any good business would do is they're trying to maintain, you know, black in the ledger books, I think. Uh, and, and they're doing it pretty well. And, and after having, pl- I've played other free-to-play games, and this isn't nearly. There's no, there's no true paywalls in Dust. Um, it is a bit obnoxious, admittedly, but there are absolutely no paywalls in Dust, and there are in a lot of other games. 
and so make no mistake it's definitely a freemium game if you will um but i i think that's one of the things a lot of people are still adjusting to is uh going from a true free to pay with frankly not much incentive to buy uh you know rm items like real money items outside of maybe boosters um and even then you could certainly get by without those to what you've got now uh where incrementally like little by little certain things are requiring you to to pick up arm uh, and i think that's that's one of those where i really hope that they monitor walking a fine line in the community and not not go overboard because the first time you get the moniker of truly being pay to win um it, it's it's usually a bad sign I think this is also a good example of why player trading is really imperative because if you have the ability to trade orum or orum items via you know for isk or whatnot then that really kind of dismantles that that pay to win mentality that people tend to get i mean like you said there's no paywalls but it does get a little noxious after a while and if you can have a system in place where you can get someone else to pay your orum for you then that's a lot more enjoyable to the player because some people just don't want to spend money in the game and that's fine but I mean, the game obviously has to make money one way or another because it is free to play. So I'm glad to see that at least basic trading is on the roadmap for the development. So I think that's it's really important in terms of the game's economy and, and how people perceive it. Oh, yeah, there could be. Go ahead. Uh, there could be another way we could go about this too. The mission could be made in such a way to raise player awareness that the feature exists. So instead of making the player cost uh, cost the player, you could offer. Arm rewards equal to the cost to do it. That's not bad. I mean, that, that's definitely another option. Um, hey, real quick, guys, before we we keep going on, I want to do. Uh, we've got one guest that joined us real quick. Uh, Lethargic, are you up? Hey, everyone. Hey, what's up, brother? Can you give a quick intro? Hello, my name is Lethargic. Um, I am in uh, Bloodline Rebellion. I just got home off work, and I'm eating. Sorry mouthful um i am a career heavy and i am uh i, I love dust enough said okay all right i can i can totally buy that i eat uh, well in voice chats too so well true yes you do um Logic okay Bro has muted me before <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness gracious all right so uh we did we did i think we just beat up the uh the lock boxes and the, and the hacked keys pretty well um other other major piece that uh, was coming out of uh, 1.10 was the bandwidth issue with uh, the logies. Uh, a couple of things that we noticed right off the bat: uh, there was there was two sets of bugs that actually came out with that. Um, I think the first set of bugs was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, bandwidth was set to like eight, seven, yeah, eight seven or eight, eight for, for everyone for everybody, which. The first time I the, the first time the first time I played a match with the new bandwidth change, it was like I didn't realize there was a bug, and I was just absolutely incredibly frustrated the entire match. Yeah, um, no kidding. I mean, you had the the bandwidth limit in general, but that you were getting your benefit from being logistics. Sure, and and it was really confusing because I, I was at first I thought it was the amount of uh, like the uh, 300, 300 war point flux strikes that were going in that was killing all the equipment all the time. Cause I, and I, for the record, I think I called it, it was like blueberry lightning. It was like, you know, shit was falling out of the sky, like every 30 seconds. I got really yeah. tired of hearing the war barge strike warning siren. Um, so I, that's what I thought it was at first. And then after the, about, about 
two or three, about three matches, I was like, there's a problem. So then I, I pulled off to the side of the red line and started putting equipment down and counting it. I put one nano hive down. Okay, that worked. I put the second nano hive down. Looked over and the other one was gone. I was like, uh-oh, we have a problem. Uh, let's see. They, they did fix that. And then they came up with a second round of bugs, if I'm not mistaken. Um, gosh, I can't remember what it was. Uh, but I know there's a, there's another small bit of drama they had to fix like the next day. And if I, if I remember correctly, a lot of people's scanning ranges got changed very dramatically. It like went up to like three, 3000, like three. That was a display bug. Okay. So that, that wasn't for real in the game. That was actually just, just on no. the, uh, the suit yeah. stats. From my understanding, it was, it was just, it was adding two zeros to, to the numbers. Okay. I thought it had something to do with like how unreal does measurements. Oh, I can totally see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That may be related too, because uh, Unreal, when you're looking at it, it's not in meters; it's in um, well, centimeters, was it? Okay, that's kind of a well. Yeah, I guess I guess you're having to go to a, a granular denominator to to try to figure that out. Okay, that's just like huge numbers, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you want a 400 meter range, it looks like 40,000 in the um, SDE, and it's like whoa. <laughs> that long stare. Yep, and we've got one more guest for the night. Uh, DeGand, you mind giving a quick intro? I think he's messing with his audio right now. Okay, well, whenever you come up, man, just give us a holler. Uh, so we actually got a pretty good crew on tonight. Um, let's see, any, any other major changes coming out of 1.10? Uh, the uh, team, the uh, War Barge Strikes, there, there, there was a bug with that, too, about uh, when you would accrue an, an, enough war points to get a strike... Anyone who was in, in, in a squad could take from your squad's uh, warp point. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I think they saw. I think they they got that fixed pretty quick though. Uh, I think Degan's got his uh, his audio working. So if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, what's up? Okay, and who are you running with on Dust Man? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, my name's Degan. Uh, I don't really run with anyone really. I've just been running solo most of the time since you know fan fest and everything and uh yeah i'm just with an npc corp really so yeah just run solo okay all right uh we're all about antisocial people here just ask zell uh I'm sure, the, I'm sure the two of you guys can like go into like separate solo squads and try to queue sync and that way you can still stay separate but feel like you're together in your separateness yeah, no, we appreciate you hopping on. Uh, it, you know, Dan was going to get on last week, but we, uh, like I said, he was one of the casualties when we kind of cleared the guest roster uh, when Rattati, uh came on. So we uh, we do appreciate you coming back on this weekend, man. Yeah, no problem. Awesome. Okay, so uh, so we've just been kicking around the uh, the one point ten drop, and one of the things I did kind of want to move on to was uh, there are, looks like Rattati is already dropping some hints about things he wants to look at for Echo. Um, kind of another round of rifle rebalances, uh, among other things. Uh, and there's, I think, a lot of people looking to see uh, what his, what directions he's going to take, like pulling off of the uh, the Trello roadmap and or the community suggestions. So a couple things I wanted to kind of open up to the group. Um, just some thoughts about some of the different things that they've put out uh, for potential hotfix echo changes. Uh, and then maybe you talk a little bit about uh, the Trello boards and like how we think that's shaping up 
both the roadmap itself, like, you know, what are your thoughts on the, the items on the roadmap and then the little community pasteboard st- uh, side of it where we're offering uh, recommendations and suggestions. Uh, so let's open it up to the echo pitches first. Uh, anybody got something that's their favorite they want to put on the table first? I'm going to go look at them, actually. Okay. Well, I'll throw one up. Uh, looks like he's talking about um, toning down the breach AR and buffing the assault scrambler and the burst AR. And the burst AR was kind of cool. It's going to use basically increasing the uh, burst from four to five shots, so it's going to perform a little bit more like it used to, which I was a big fan of back in the day. So I'm I'm excited for that. I'm excited for the anti-vehicle remote explosives. Yep, that, not. <laughs> well, that, like uh, I'll take that in a, a quick two-parter for the burst. I actually, I, I, I'm, I would like to give a shout out quickly to uh, Aon Amadi, who did some pretty good math on the uh, on the forums about. There's a question about why the burst was kind of underperforming, and uh, he did some pretty solid math on how DPS is calculated. I would also like to point out the same calculations he was using. You could probably apply to a lot of weapons with kind of funky mechanics or weird things um, to get a better, like a more true depiction of DPS, which I think we've needed for a long time. So, and I think Retidy even gave him some props for the math that helped him out a lot, uh, or at least it helped him kind of get his pathway together on how he wants to work on the burst AR. But the, the bottom line was he was looking to actually buff it a little bit, like in terms of the, the raw damage. Um, because he kind of showed that the, the actual DPS did not reflect the on-paper DPS. Um, and one of the other components that it, a couple of things that I had mentioned and we, you know, he and I had batted back and forth on was perhaps giving it a little bit more ammunition in the magazine uh, to go with it. Uh, so I think that was their plan for the burst. Now for the assault scrambler, I got, I got no, idea. like, I'm not sure what to do to make that thing better. They're gonna, they would have to rework two or three different components of it. Um, first and foremost, probably being its uh, its muzzle flash and its like recoil, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, let's see. That sound about right, guys. Also nice that they're adding in the uh, the racial frames and tears to the loyalty store. That's a finally, that's a nice thing to just kind of get get set up. I mean, not confirm, but that'd be nice. Yeah, I mean, he, he's got um, very clearly stated that uh, these are the things that they want to do, but not all of them will, will be able to be uh, make it through, um, depending on time and prioritization and stuff. Um, one of the ones and that I'm narrative. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of the ones I'm Bell hoping point. makes it actually is um, that there is there there is an item about uh, vehicle types, uh, the the vehicle variants. Um, and that would be really cool because I need more things to nerf. <laughs> no. At the same time, I mean, he's specifically talking about the logistics LAV, and I really want to make sure they take their time and get that right. Because I mean, previous iterations of the the Lodge LAV have not been good in their performance or how they operate. Uh, when it turned from a support vehicle into a run everyone over ever vehicle because I can't kill me, that wasn't good. So hopefully we can get a, a proper development for that instead of pushing it through just for the sake of getting it. So I, I, I wouldn't be bent out of shape if that didn't make it into Echo because I, I do want them to take their time and make sure it, it works the way it needs to. Murder taxis were so much fun. Though. They were so oh, broken. I, I did it too. I <laughs> they were so broken, but so much fun. 
They were the bane of my existence, but when they were gone, I kind of missed them. <laughs> you love to hate them. I know. They were like my arch nemesis as a forge gunner. I knew one guy that made a, an alt for, for just using LAVs during that time. <laughs> That's probably pretty good. I found it sad back then. It was easier to kill the pilot than it was the vehicle. Oh, yeah. And uh, for the record, I, w I would I would take a mild bit of issue with what you said a minute ago, Soraya, is uh, I know even in jest, the CPM doesn't nerf anything, nor should you. What you should do is offer We heavily feedback. advocate the nerf. And that's the problem. That <laughs> like That's not your place nor your position to do that. Uh, so I, I would I would be remiss if I did not call you out on that. Uh, and I know that you were you were joking a bit on it, but that's still something that uh, I th I honestly believe that the CPM probably needs to start taking a little bit more seriously based on um, sort of the dialogue that's been going on, at, you know, with several of the CPM members and some of the members of the community. But anyway, um, let's see. I do like the idea of bringing back the. Uh, are they talking about Logi dropships too? Were they talking about all of it or just the labs? Uh, just the labs, the labs that I can see. And the um, Marauder. Oh, yeah. that's right. That they are. Mm, they're, right. They're, you guys, are looking, you're looking for feedback on that, right? <laughs> the million okay. dollar tanks. Yeah, absolutely. There was one idea that I saw that that uh, Rattati liked, and I actually like a lot too. I don't know if it's going to be an echo, but it was an idea that caught my attention was creating a new module for low slots that increased the rate of fire so that you could have a DPS uh, glass cannon where you chew through more ammo but but your DPS is higher through rate of fire so if you wanted you could take like an assault suit and put high slots and low slots with damage mods and rate of fire mods I thought that was pretty cool this would, yeah, that sounds interesting. My only problem with that being that I tend to run 6k HMG. I was just thinking of that. Like, that would make me unstoppable. Cal, Cal Heavies would love that. Oh, the sound of it. Yeah, I, yeah. I think you'd have, that's one of those you'd have to break into like a light and heavy category. You know, like just basically like you do damage mods, you'd have to mimic that where, I mean, the only way to, to make it make that accurate you just don't make a heavy rate of fire mod if that makes sense yeah, like you only had it for yeah and i think that would be pretty legit now i think it would be interesting to see what would happen when you if you stack damage like a two or three uh complex light light damage mods and a couple of the rate of fire mods or you know or vice versa if like if you really min maxed it that it would be uh i, th I think pretty scary i suspect Combat rifle, enough said. Uh, well, the assault combat rifle. You'd probably be out of, out of ammo in like 0.3 seconds, but you'd lay waste anything in front of you. I am pistol probably broken under it, model stuff. Hinox, can you say again, bro? Eh, I'm losing Hinox. I'm, I'm, did anybody, was anybody able to hear him? No. Nope. Nope. Okay. All right. Yep, we yep, got we you guys. Oh, I hear him. Yeah, I was just going to say that Okay, scratch that. I can barely hear him. Sounds very far away.
Oh, I see. Okay. okay. All right. So I, I think I think what Hynax is getting at is that uh, if you look at some of the different rifles, and you um, you start showing up weaknesses on them. So I think he was using an example of the rail rifle. If you increase it, increase its rate of fire pretty significantly, and you give it a damage buff, that uh, that's a that's a weapon that's really really hard to balance anyway, even without modifications uh, on based on suit mods that kind of thing. So when you start getting into that territory, it's going to be really, really hard to deal with, I think, uh, from a balance perspective. Is that, I think that's about what he was getting at. Yeah, because... Yeah, that's, that's... Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, he just concurred. So I, I, I have to agree with him. I, I like the idea um, because what it also does is it sets up where shield tankers can uh, use their low slots for you know weapon modifications, whereas the armor tankers have always been able to... Uh, you know, stack up some pretty good damage mods in their high slots and then use their, and it doesn't really touch their tank. So from, from that kind of aspect, I like the, I like the idea of giving me an alternative. Um, but it's one of those where I, I could see where if you tried to actually make a legit glass cannon using both types of mods, it would, it, it might really quickly get uh, out of hand. Here, here's a thought. What if you put like some sort of exception rule like you, you can only equip one type because otherwise your CPU can't handle it. Mm, I could, yeah, I can kind of see that. Because then you know it, it's not that big of a of, of a balancing issue; it becomes more of a preference. Fitting is just one of those things that's really, really already hard enough on our new players without a proper APE to help out. Do we really need to add more to it to make it just just because? Being an E-Veteran, I say the more modules we have, the better. Yep. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. Now, I will, I will say this, though. I, I, am, I, I'd like to, I do recognize my own bias in that, because much like Lethargic said, I, I'm coming at it from an E-V perspective, where I'm, a, I'm all about having like hundreds of different kinds of modules that I can play with. Uh, so I, I, I can see both sides of that argument. Well, I understand. I'm for hundreds of modules too. I just don't want weird rules exceptions to be popping up on all over the place. Oh, you know, this one module does that. What this one module does that. It gets and, too complicated. Yeah. And we got plenty of players that don't read English too. So that's the other thing. Okay. Um, the uh, one of the things that I had thought about a long time ago was. If they could, it basically it would. It's probably not doable. Not certainly not in the short term. But I've always thought that you should have a separate um, a separate set of equipment slots just for your weapon. Um, so you can like, or perhaps you use uh, weapon modification modules in place of equipment. Like you can carry a drop link, or you can bring a rate of fire increase, a zoom increase, or a raw damage increase or an ammo reservoir or something like that on your drop suit. Um, I always thought if they, they treated those things more like equipment rather than suit modules, um, it would probably help out a little bit more with the balance and it makes you make some real choices then. I thought that, that, that that's a good idea too. I thought about that in the past and I was thinking, you know, that could be actually something more of like a prototype of a prototype, if that makes sense. Like something similar to uh, Eve Strategic Cruisers, where we modify the subsystems to where it, you can get like a special suit or a special weapon that has sub slots that you can modify to your liking. 
yeah, no, I think that would be pretty pretty awesome. I just think that's probably well beyond the capabilities of what they've got to uh, to work with right now in Dust, where we currently stand. I mean, one direction you can approach with additional sort of damage modification or just modification in general is that you can have a downside associated with the modules. So if you try to, you know, double stack them or you're doing a, a true glass can, it'll actually hinder you more than it'll benefit you because, it, you know, if it's increased fire rate, it could be, I don't know, so some other downside where you, you don't want increased to really... Increased heat or something. Yeah. Something like that, yeah, where you don't want to basically stack too many of these things together because those downsides build up. And so it's more of a, I'm, I'm trading off one thing to get something else. And it makes balancing a little bit more easy rather than just straight buffs because that, that can get, get out of hand very, very quickly. Yeah, I think that I think that would be pretty legit. I mean, there's a lot of ways you can tweak it. It just depends on how much uh, how many dials they want to build into the system. There was a uh, another uh, if we're ready to, to move on to the next topic, there was yeah, sure, sure. A, 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 another idea that uh, Red Hattie has been thinking about every other minute, he says, was uh, Jotun is a Laru, right? It's not too late to just re reduce strafe speeds by 15% or whatever across the board. It worked well for Dust before, and Red Hattie says that that definitely crosses his mind every other minute. What do you guys think about that? Overall, he's trying to uh, fix sort of the game's um, technical limits. Uh, for example, when you run really fast, hit detection goes to shit. <laughs> okay, well, is that should that be all suits getting a nerf, or just some suits getting a nerf? I think okay. it should scale with the size of suit that you are, because heavies have it hard enough as far as the strafe war goes, and if you nerf them, that's just... You know, sure, their speed isn't that high, and the percentage is not, you know, going to hit them that hard, but it's still 15%. Whereas a, a, a scout, that's going to hit them a lot harder. I, I think it should be like 15, 10, and 5 for a scout, assault, and a heavy. That's just my thought. Um, You know, I, I could kind of see that. I mean, I think the thing I'm... What I don't know is, like, where is the, the threshold for... The the uh, like hit detection going bad like like what is the speed that makes hit detection go bad like if like that's what I don't know because if if that's an actual known if that's like a a a hard line that they could draw and say if you have a suit that moves faster than X through a use of kin cats and whatever or or for whatever their environmental condition is making him move that fast. Um, then it's basically impossible to target them or hit them. Uh, then that's where I would just put a, a ceiling, like leave everything roughly where they are, but put a hard cap on how fast something can possibly move. The thing is, we already have one of those in the game already because the animation cycles can't go that fast. It's just there's there's a lot of new nuances in Dust Dust's engine that does not make friendly with um, higher performance things. Unfortunately, I believe this hit detection thing is probably based on your connection to a server, so rather more than the game itself. Well, that's it's really hard to to deal with, and I mean that's like like this this goes back to something that Fox and I, Fox Gate and I have fenced on this a couple times. Like I do not experience lag anywhere like I have heard other people experiencing. Uh, like you know, like game breaking lag every you know third or fourth match that's like a slideshow. I I don't ever get that like ever. 
like, like the worst I've ever gotten was like in a PC match. Or, um, and well, when I say ever, I mean like literally it's like once in a blue moon, like absolutely, you know, it had to be like Glente research facility in the, the complex. Um, and it would have to be like worst possible conditions, but rarely do I get, you know, lag that really affects gameplay. Jason, can I ask what PlayStation you have model type? I have no idea. It's the, I think it's kind of the fat round one. I don't know. I, I got, <laughs> you're asking the, the wrong dude. <laughs> okay. It's it's probably about uh, two or three years old. Maybe about three years old, yeah. You know, sometimes that might have a thing to do with it. I mean, I upgraded my hard drive, and I'm I'm doing fine with, uh, I mean, performance-wise. Yeah, so that's what, I mean, that's the, those are the things where it's really hard to figure out when it's something that's somewhat individual by player or region versus something that's hard-coded in the game. That's, that's why I was asking, but... I'm, I'm, you know, if the answer is to slow people down or slow things down, then I think it needs needs to be done very, very smartly. Um, it, you know, I, I can see the arguments back and forth. You're going to have guys that like to speed tank that will immediately say, "But you're taking away what makes me be able to play," or at least in their mind, it does. Um, so I can kind of see where the concerns are for that, and then they're immediately going to call for a like. Um, you know, like an even-handed nerf across everybody so that their playing field is still relatively level. But the effects on people may not all be the same. I, th- I think that's the big thing I'm trying to trying to formulate my my head as I think through this. And people wonder about all, all aim assist systems too. And it's like, yes, yes, sometimes it works really well, sometimes it doesn't work at all. Yeah, no, I can kind of buy that. Um, I'm taking a quick, quick look through some of the... Uh, the echo pieces. One of the things uh, Pokey brought up, and I, I absolutely steamrolled over him here earlier, and I apologize for that. Was uh, the uh, packed remote explosives, like the anti-vehicle remotes? Uh, that's actually something I've been calling for for a whole for a very long time. Which is basically, you know, everybody that says I got to carry a bunch of you know remotes, and no, I don't really frisbee them. I'm like, great, then make one with like a 0.1 meter. Uh, blast radius that's only again that's only for vehicles and it does you know hellacious damage against vehicles but it's worthless to, to frisbee at somebody so I'm a huge fan of the packed remote explosive by the way yeah I mean jokes aside it's uh, being killed by remotes in a, in a tank is the equivalent of being knifed by somebody that drops it I mean it, it's not easy to do when people do it I'm, I'm usually pretty impressed and I think that you know, having a, a specialty remote specifically for that is, is perfectly fine. I think that's pretty cool that they can, and, and like you said, it's got that small radius. So, I mean, that it, it won't be used for my much hated remote Frisbees, but actually used for anti-vehicle, which is pretty cool. So it, it, I, I hadn't thought of that, but it's actually a really good idea. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Uh, tangential question here. Um, I've been on the past few days, but did they change anything regarding uh, the... Uh, inertia drops automatically deploying. I believe that is a bug, and they're going to try to fix it. Okay. Oh, I thought I thought that was a quote unquote feature. Oh, it's nerfing my style. I like to do halo drops, especially on the tanks. Yeah, that the first time that that happened, um, like a, it scared me. Then I was like, "What the hell is going on?" And then part two, I was like, "I've just determined I can't drop down from the pipes." On some, I can't drop from vertical spots on the map and be ready to fight. I will drop down and go to my my kneeling prayer pose after a drop inertial 
you know, a drop inertia activates and then I get mowed down by some dude who's watching. <laughs> I think it is a pretty cool thing though, that they added that cause it, it is kind of a, sometimes a point of confusion for new players. So I, I think it's cool. They added, just let me turn it off if I yeah, want to. Yeah, and that would be kind of great. That. No, it's not cool. It's not cool at all. Like, <laughs> this, this, okay. he, like he, here's the thing. Like when you jump out of the war barge, what do you see center mass of the screen at six o'clock? What what Ground. is the message? But they're newbies and they get scared easily and text can be hard to read sometimes. <laughs> okay, Bear Police. So what do I press? I'm, oh, I'm no. going to acknowledge that we're about thirty thousand years in the future in our game here in New Eden. I would uh, I would hope that the literacy rates have at least stabilized. Um, and I would also like to point out that maybe, just maybe, natural selection works. Because if you didn't hit your, if you didn't hit your uh, your inertial dampeners, chances are you're probably not going to be doing me a lot of good in the match either. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. I rarely have heard a player complaining about falling to death on rooms succeed because they didn't know what to do. Correct, Amundo. It's more like I put a whole clip into a guy and he didn't die. Yeah, I mean, most of the drop inertial stuff uh, I've I've seen is usually somebody trying to be really slick, calling in their their uh, drop ship on the way down, and then not then like fumbling the button and then they they splatter. But even then, if you know, most well tank suits can actually survive the the drop. Wasn't there an announcement pre one point ten um, regarding like inertia canceling? Something something like regarding like the the different colors of the inertial dampeners. Yes. yes. Somebody, yeah, somebody said that too. But it, like, I never, I never looking up in the sky watching people fall, so I have no idea what it looks like. The, 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 the offsuits all feature a purplish pink tone. Oh, really? Yeah. So yes. it's all style now. It's awesome. I love it. <laughs> you get a, a like a, a nyan cat version. Yeah. There you go. So that's that would be actually pretty legit, I think. So, I, you know, I did like something's on the tip of my tongue here. One of the things I wanted to kind of ask the group with the Apex suits is that is that sort of not the way that we is that not like the entry point for like a pseudo terror side that we can work through o- over time? Just wanted to throw that out there. Total sea change in the conversation, I know, but I there there's I don't think there was any ever any intentional attempt to make apex suits be tier aside i i think that's a tinfoil theory that's not what i asked what i what i asked was if you if you treated those suits like basically all high lows and modules all the slot layouts are the same but really what changes is color in the cpu and pg uh, is that not like a, a you know, kind of a poor man's version of tier aside i would say so yes by poor man, I also mean pretty inefficient too. By the way, Pokey, please regale us of of your thoughts on tier side and the Apex drop suit. See how well I did that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, just in case you guys didn't hear that, that little bing in the background, that was show production going to level three. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I like it's Zell's right. It's a tinfoil theory. I don't think that Dust can, or at least they're willing to shift to a true tier side system. Because they sell suits that allow you to access higher tiers, you know. Well, I mean, I guess they could, they could do that, but 
the point of the matter is that the Apex suits do perform as I would expect a standard tier aside suit to perform, where it's got the proto level slots. But if you just assume that you only have enough CPU and PG to actually fit standard gear, that's basically what you've got with those Apex suits. So, like like Jason was saying, you could then increase the CPU to allow you to fit you know, advanced stuff and then fit proto stuff for the proto one. And I mean, that's I love it. I wish it was more like that because lack of slots means lack of flexibility and fitting and it makes it very boring i would love to actually be able to do stuff but a lot of my suits like the commando i've got two slots standard so i can't really do much besides the bare essentials i can't do anything interesting with it so i, I think that the, if you were to go to a tier aside system kind of using the apex suit as a, a groundwork would would definitely be how i i personally would design it because i think it's pretty solid now you know for the record i thought I- I don't think they would be able to, I think they would still sell suits because effectively, you know, if you wanted to like use your arm to get a, a, an advanced suit, you're not buying the modules and the equipment slots at that point. What you're buying is the CPU and PG right. to fit yeah. better. So, so you get still, I don't think that would change their, like their suit purchase too much, you know, like that, that part of their business model, would it? That, that, that's true. I, I think the main overarching effect would be that, lower level suits would effectively become stronger and proto suits would remain the same, which disincentivizes the purchase of proto because the, that gap is smaller at that point. Not that I think that's a bad thing, but that's how people would see it. And they may not want to buy higher level Orem stuff or go that direction because they feel like it's not uh, as much of an advantage for their money as they would like. So I, I could see this potentially being a problem, but you are right they could still sell the suits because you would be buying the PG, not just the slots. But the people who want the extra edge can get that if they'd like. Sure. Yeah. No, it's it's absolutely. it's all a matter of price point. Like is the money I'm spending worth the advantage I'm gaining by getting this? And and that's really what it comes down to. It's just the numbers and, and cost and whatnot and how people will perceive the value of, of what they're purchasing. Hmm. Okay. So any other random thoughts as we look into the future for before we move on to the discussion about the Trello board? Uh, I will jump back to um, the, the strong boxes. And on the roadmap that we've seen, there's mention of a salvager role. And I'm curious if by salvager role, that has anything to do at all with the strong boxes and potentially giving us additional ways to open the boxes aside from the keys and this is probably, of course, all the NDA, but if anyone wants a tinfoil on it, I, I think that could be interesting. I think Iron Wolf and Zell would love to. <laughs> as much as I like tinfoil, I'm going to decline. I'm going to have to go with my copper foil today. And Zell spacing out, so. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of true, but um, no, I, I can't talk about future stuff. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think, think it's more interesting if the community talks about it to give us new ideas than we state what the CCP thinks it should be this far, far out. That's fair. Yeah, I remember talking with this idea with Kane a long time ago, the, the salvager idea, like something like a position within the corp that you could set up that people feed your salvage to and then you can distribute it through the corp or set up contracts and what what have you. But I don't know. You could definitely uh, open up some griefing play with that. Yeah, I, I forget who said it on the forum, so it was actually kind of a cool idea that you could 
either open your box legitimately with a key or you could force it open with a chance to destroy whatever's inside with a, a pretty poor success rate, which can then be modified by skills to to raise your chance of not breaking what's inside. And I think that kind of line is actually pretty cool because, I mean, if, yeah. if the drop rate for boxes is what it is, but the intention is to give us more ways to open it, potentially in a way that's such that you want a lot of boxes because you're going to be breaking into a lot of them and potentially failing a lot. That's a lot more reasonable. But See, I mean, if you do that, though, what you really have to do is you have to have it so that the game tells you what you wrecked. So that yes. um, <laughs> once you you know you can get your your crate of of uh, advanced forge guns, and then uh, you when when the next one cracks and breaks, and you find out that it was actually like officer drop suits. <laughs> <laughs> And, and then over just, there in Shanghai, they're just like twiddling their fingers going, excellent, excellent. <laughs> CCP trolling is finest. But yeah, I, I think that if the intention is to add more means to open the boxes, you know, that, I think that the current drop rate may, may be more appropriate. But I mean, currently, it's obviously has its issues, as, as we've discussed. Okay. Uh, let's see. All right. Uh, I think let's let's kind of move on to the Trello discussion, um, and I think by now a lot of people have seen it. It's the um, there's two there's two components of it. One there's the actual roadmap itself, uh, and then there's the community board which uh, Rotati set up, which is very much a very flat sort of free flow free flow way of organizing uh, community ideas, and they can kind of get upvotes and things like that. It's much more organized than the forums in terms of a way to um, like screen or funnel feedback to uh, to the dev team and, and to a, the CPM, I guess, to a degree. Um, so I'm just kind of curious what your guys' general thoughts are on both those products that are out there. Well, I had never even heard of Trello until they, they opened it up. But honestly, it's, it's a pretty neat tool. And I have to say, I've, I've been pretty impressed with the community and not turning into a total shitstorm on the one they can edit the the crowdsourcing one. I mean, I think that I don't know if the devs actually wanted people commenting on each other's ideas because it's not supposed to be a form. But aside from that, I think overall it's been fairly successful. Some really cool ideas. I've I've enjoyed checking up on that on a daily basis. So I think it's a good idea, and I'm glad that CCP went ahead and actually took a more open approach to collecting information in this way. Yeah, I mean, it'd be better if uh, people were linking to discussion threads of their ideas rather than commenting on the Trello or something like that. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, the Trello's what, what CPM use. Um, you know, we'll have our conversations, and, and a lot of times the conversation ends with, um, you know, put it on the Trello, please, because it is a very easy way for for um, to not lose track of ideas and to, to keep them organized and accessible. I think that's probably a pretty good idea. And I would kind of echo what Pokey said. The, uh, um, the generally the comments are, well, I think uniformly the comments are, well, there's not a, not a lot of comments. Basically people post their ideas and they get upvotes, uh, or people signing onto the card, that kind of thing. Uh, this is probably very difficult for people to visualize if you haven't seen the Trello. Um, but it's, there's no, it's not like a discussion forum in any way, shape or form. It's literally just, uh, you see an idea often, you know, with a, um, with a link to a forum page or, or something like that, if somebody's made a thread, uh, and then you'll see a general vote of not vote of confidence or vote of approval, but like you'll, you'll register the amount of people that are interested, 
in the change. And I'm sitting here looking at the members on the Trello board. There's 55, 6, 7, there's 58 people uh, counting the CCP staff on the Trello board. And it's pretty interesting because I, I actually recognize, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say probably 40 of the of the folks on here. Um, and generally what it looks like is folks that are, A, have been around for a minute, and B, generally those that are quite invested in the game, uh, even some that I thought had walked away from the game, but I'm sitting here looking, and you could see some pretty good comments by them. So it's just, I think this is a fantastic example of how community collaboration and community outreach can work uh, if it's handled uh, in a very you know, in a very positive way. So I, I think this is a really good, su good success, excuse me, success story. And I really like some of the ideas. Some of them are great. Some of them have been around for a long time. Some of them are pretty novel in their approaches, but I, I'm generally very, very pleased that they're even letting us come up with this. Now, I think the proof will be in the pudding when you actually start seeing, because my understanding is we were going to put all these up and then at some point, uh, Rattati would go in and then comment or, he would prioritize some of these ideas or there would be some sort of um, a communication loop reference to Trello cards uh, from CCP. Is that, is that how you guys understood it? Uh, from my understanding, what he wants to do, and he, he, he talked about this a bit last week, um, is he has his own personal um, one that he puts cards on. And um, he wants. Oh yes, that's he, right. That's when he called Pokey a little shit. Yeah. yeah Carry on. Yeah. He's he wants to clean that up and then uh, present allow that everyone to view that and so people will be able to see ideas going from you know well there was on the public Trello to well Ritati made a card about that so clearly he between you know forums or, or Trello or whatever that is an issue that has made his radar you know that sort of thing um, but I I don't know when that that will be done. To his credit, I think he also has commented on a couple cards of memory serve, so he is at least reading it and responding at least in some limited fashion. So that that's good to see. So I'm looking at this Trello board. I mean, I've I've looked at it before, but I'm looking at it again, like the roadmap one, and I'm I'm looking at it, and I'm not seeing like any elaboration on any of their cards. Like you know, I was curious about. Uh, epic planetary conquest, epic user experience, epic social, you know, and I wanted to, you know, figure out what 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 that meant, but I click on them and, and nothing shows up. Well, the, the epics are, are subheadings, kind of. Um, those are like the, the big items, and then a lot, you'll notice that those are not all at the top, and that's because the items directly following the epic are a part of that epic. Oh, okay. CCP uses a development system known as Agile. It is very similar to some of the uh, other industry um, systems lately, um, formed off the Toyota system, so to say. But the term Epic is for like big story ideas, um, things that are like, okay, this is going to be our new big feature. What should be part of it? And that's where individual stories are made. And individual stories are specific features within that Epic. Sometimes the two are separate, sometimes they're intertwined. But the epic is a very strong, uh, very um, disambiguous goal that they want to go go towards. So how they get there is um, going to be up to the stories that they make for. Them. 
but you'll notice that, say, under Planetary Conquest, the details on that are the, the items under it, which are War Barges, Timers, District Overview, and Battle Rewards. Those are those also don't have a lot of descriptive information, and I'm hoping that uh, uh, that is something that is coming soon. Yeah, because I'm looking at War Barge, Flotilla, and Clone Vats, and that's, that's piquing my interest. That's pretty cool. Let me ask Ben. You said there's no descriptive information in those cards. Does CCP have more descriptive information that they could put in there? Um, we've we've discussed with them some pretty pretty solid um, game concepts for all the the things that have been mentioned on there. Um, I don't, there is there needs to be like uh, that written up, and then it needs to be conveyed to players. And in my opinion, as soon as humanly possible, so that players can uh, start to provide feedback on it. Yeah, I am like, going to slightly disagree with this because there's going to be people who are going to be looking at this and you're going to think, oh, patch notes. Yeah, pretty much. Well, well I'm, I mean, it has to be very more of a story than a notes um, format. I, I would offer that if you put a one-sentence descriptor for some of these things, that would help because I'm just, you know, I mean, I can guess on my own what most of the stuff means, but obviously... Like what I think a clone vat bay is is probably not anywhere close to what a clone vat is that you guys are looking at for planetary con- conquest. Uh, but I, I I think at some point it's probably not bad to um, you know to pitch like a very brief like I said one sentence descriptor in there that describes what you're trying to build, not necessarily what it is, but what are you trying to do with yes. with the item. And I don't think that. Uh you know the concern of players misunderstanding the tentativeness of it is a, is a good enough excuse not to present the information i mean as it is the roadmap itself is tentative things can get dropped off of it um if if it's you know not going to happen um but it's a it's a goal it's it's this is what we you know ccp thinks they can accomplish and what they're going to try to accomplish and you know for the same i think that we can have a, a description of what they're working on in, in these new systems and allow, you know, players to comment on what they think is going to happen and for that to be able to help guide CCP on some decisions that they're probably going to come across as they're, they're building the system. Remember um, on the forum, some, one guy thought the, that the, the next release 1.0 was Legion or something. He posted on the forum saying, hey, ready, nice, you know, nice hint to, towards that, Legion that, or something like that. He, he yeah. was trolling. He knew better. <laughs> yeah. Was one of your alts, right? Um, no, that was um, that was that was breaking stuff. He's a goon, which is self-explanatory on <laughs> the fact that he was trolling. Yeah. By the yeah. way, I would, again, I would also point out that uh, the goon CPM or CSM members are some of the least trolly CSM members. It is that it, are yes. out there. That, Clearly, you I don't follow that mold. <laughs> no, no, it, it, that's actually it is very amusing. Mina is actually like a, an incredible candidate in in her. You know, is that right? He doesn't have to run because you know if a goon is is the official candidate, you know they're gonna win. But uh, you know, actually does answer questions, campaign properly, etc. I'm gonna admit, uh, I, I was looking at that next release 1.0, and I was kind of curious myself. Um, it well, it's you know, it's it's like a chromosome um, uprising, etc. There will be a new name to it. It'll be dust, whatever. It's an expansion. Um, yeah. Um, so that sort of thing is, um, and Eve uses the same notation where a new expansion is that expansion name 1.0. Mm, okay. Well, I can kind of buy that. Uh, that. That's kind of interesting. 
Hmm. So as I, as I whip out my finest tinfoil hat here, um, I'm looking at the amount of skill points and things that you can accrue in the, in the game of dust and the things you can do. And then even this short-term roadmap, which looks strikingly like things we've been told before. Um, I, like at this point, I firmly believe Legion's a, a fucking collectible trading card game. Um, so th- this should be pretty entertaining to go forward over the next year, I guess. Eve Hearthstone. Might as well I was be. About to say that. <laughs> well, no, I'm I'm pretty confident that whatever it, whatever they think that thing's going to look like, if it's even a thing, still, uh, it, it will be probably not like what anybody can you know conceptualizes in their head right now. But it's also very obvious that um, if it were to be anywhere remotely like what they showed us at FanFest, as at least from the in-match standpoint, there's no way they'll let us carry our characters over to it other than perhaps the name. Uh, so I, I've kind of I've pretty much made that mental, mental cut already. You know, Pyrex was trying to, he, he was commenting on that in the video yesterday, I think, with um, our new loyalty rank, where you, like it's listed in your rank and maybe that carries over and it gives you some kind of perk going into Legion. Who knows? Well, I mean, the reality is they're not going to let any of us get in there with 50, 60, 70, 80 million skill points, 100 million, <laughs> whatever. 100 million this happen. one tweeted this well, week. There's, there's, a, there's a couple of assumptions I think people are making. And, um, you know, the first, of course, is, is as um, Jay pointed out, Legion could be a collectible card game <laughs> um, and, and the skill point's not relevant or something. Um, but the other thing to point out is if, if you have a different skill system or whatever, um, the the value of skill points may be vastly different. So 80 million could be a drop in the bucket, or maybe they would say if you have 80 million, you're going to get 10 million in this game because that's an equivalent level of progression or whatever, or they scale back, you know, that the, well, the- we, they present so many SP to, to, to the person with the most, and then everything's a fact- fractional amount of that, so that it's a bonus that is relative to what you had in the previous game, well, but not the, the same level of progression. The, the, the number itself is irrelevant. It's what you said is what's the relative amount of skill, point, skill points, and, because and, the reality What if they don't have skill points at all? Yeah, yeah but, right, but what you're talking about is the relative level of progression. I don't give a shit if you can call them skill points, you can call them experience here's, points, here's you can the call other them thing. You know, cookie points. I don't here's the other thing, though, is that Dust is so so like Dust has a problem with with relating, you know, balancing new players versus veterans. And if you reset, you know, if you create a game and you reset everyone back to zero, and when you start a game at zero, that problem does not exist. There is no d- d- imbalance between veterans and new players because there is no veterans. But that doesn't mean the problem doesn't exist, and the problem will eventually manifest it later as you have new players coming in and you have players with eighty million skill points. So within the first month, usually. So what is the point of resetting people if if you're just if you're just delaying the problem? If well, you, that's interesting. Here, here's that's disparity you might as well solve right out, out of the gate. Here's my viewpoint on it: is, is that the only reason why I could see you know it having our skill points not going over is because they don't want the new players, as you said, to get stopped by all of these veterans and their shiny new game right and a majority of the players are going to be eve players i i'm i'm assuming and so what i have to say to that is like eve players need to hdfu on that seriously because you know we've been we've been 
veterans, and we go in and we pl play Eve after playing Dust. Not me, I've been playing Eve for, 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 for 10 years. And they tell all the Dust, dust characters, HTFU, this is our time. We should tell them to HTFU. Well, Rattati made a point on the the forums. He was talking about meta lockouts. I don't know if like he just threw out some numbers for it, but it uh, he's he's thinking about it. Yeah, that's that's an interesting conversation. That's actually that's um uh, a roadmap item actually. Yeah, he was he did mention it though. I I can't I think I even commented. I just for the life of me can't remember. Can, Jedi, can you remember what he was uh, what the gist of it was? Um, yeah, he had structured it in three tiers. I can't remember the third tier, but the first tier was, um, oh, yeah. uh, I think it was 100 and then 200. And then beyond that, those, those, were, yeah, those complete, were made up numbers, complete but, nonsense numbers, but no, it, it was just a case in point example. No, no, but, but yeah, I, th I think I remember what it was like. I think everybody in the thread knew that they were, they were example. You, you put an X, Y, and Z in there for all we care. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody realized that pretty quick, but I, I think some of us had the point that, you should not have three tiers. You need like two, and and then make an adjustment off that because I think you would split the, the player base much too far uh, if you if you went with three. The other thing is, frankly, um, if you if you were a very focused uh, builder, you could max out a role like an assault role and maybe eight million skill points ish. There was also concern with logistics players too. I think you had mentioned that. Yeah, it's skill intensive. So, like, if, if you think about it, if you need to skill, let's say, all the same stuff that you do with an assault, but then you've got five different equipment slots that you or five equipment options, maybe even six that you've, you've got to mess with, um, and you just brought the, those all up to like level three, uh, that gets pretty intensive as well. So that might throw your bell curve off. But yeah, this was something Z, uh, CCPZ had brought up at FanFest, and it's kind of interesting that they're looking into it again. See, I, I actually personally really, really hate the idea of any sort of meta-level lockout um, system. I think it renders a lot of the, the game design somewhat pointless, which is, to me, silly. But, you know, it's it's a popularly requested feature, so. I mean, you have it in EVE, too. I mean, like, like you can't bring no. certain ships into areas. That's not yeah, but I could still though. bring a pirate frigate that tears the crap out of any yeah. tech one frigate. Yeah, there's a, there's a big difference between a size class and a, and a, a, a quality grade. That's okay. I mean, okay. you can bring and you can faction a dead space mod, etc. Pretty much any ship out to be a couple billion isk in value, um, you know, and take that in any of those places. The size lockouts are more for content consumption rather than um. Than uh, what to expect in her, so to say. Yeah, and then right. the, there's a very key difference there in that that is uh, that is PVE, and so they're having to you know they're having to create an encounter that is going to work for certain classes of ships. No, that's yeah, but you can't bring supers into high sec either. You can't make a direct comparison between the two. Really, it's the systems are concur. too different. I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, it. It's very discouraging for new players to come in and instantly get, you know, slammed against a wall by a, a guy in a proto suit with maxed out shit. I mean, it just, well, it, it's, it's not good. And I, I think that if you tie that to like a risk reward where the higher level stuff is much more rewarding, then you've kind of created a, a, a stock gap between a pub and a, a fact war match. And I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Well, I guess my question is, don't, shouldn't we be, I mean, shouldn't the pub matches be essentially that like low payout? 
Uh, but and then you increase the fat, and then you increase the rewards in fact more dramatically. That's what uh, I've been pushing for for a long time. I mean, that sounds that sounds like that would solve a little bit of it. And I do like some of the suggestions on there about basically um, extending the academy even further. Um, I, I think that that would not be a bad, and then offering like a free respec at the end of the academy or something like that. I think that that would go a long way if you basically used the used the pub versus fact war um, reward system as a as a driver as a positive driver versus a, a constraint on the player base which is what meta level lockouts would generally do um, I think I think that's a way to do it and then I would also point out that like does anybody not think that six veteran players in apex suits which is I, I assume that's what the, the lowest tier would be capped at something like an apex suit because that's who they're marketed to is primarily newer players. Like if like all of us, if like the, let's say the, uh, the eight of us in this channel, we Q synced into some kind of fact war in apex suits, we would annihilate people. Um, even Zell. I mean, that's, or at least we could use him as a meat shield, something like that. One of the reasons I dislike metal level lockout is because I do think, um, people, um, place more blame than is 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 warranted on proto suits when really it's the Experience. people behind the proto suits that are doing the stuff. Teamwork is OP. As it should be, by the way. Yeah. But but your teamwork is OP, but I think that there should be a proper place for people to play solo. And I think because a lot of new yeah, players that's start that way. Game. No, a lot of new players are, are going to start solo, and they they're if you okay, really want to so kill stomping, give would, new would, give players a place to start. I would uh, I would like to quote like CCP Rattati, who said that this is a team game, and in player and players should be brought to the team. Like I mean, you basically said on the show last week, like he this is a team game. Uh, it is a, it is a social centric game, like that you were designed to play with others. So why would I want to incentivize you to play? Like you can solo all of it. I mean, I play by myself quite a bit. Incentivize it. You can you can have the the rewards lower for playing in the solo area, but you should be able to. There should not be a separate area. If like if you want to play solo, that's on you. But like don't don't say that solo players need to be protected though. Yeah, but solo players. But I'm going to argue that solo players equal new players. In many well, cases, well, a deathmatch mode would seem fine really, to me. You know? Well, yeah, I my personal view is that, should, that if if you are ever going to find a way to fix the ability for people to play solo reasonably and a place for people to try stuff out and and you know play if they're a little lower on experience, is is if they were able to find a way to kill squatting in ambush because ambush is a cruddy mode yeah. to begin with, and there's no since there's no objectives in ambush, there's no good reason for teamwork other than to stop other people. Pretty much. I yeah. think Ambush should be a solo game mode. Okay. I'll second that, but once again, the the problem that you would run into is any any heavy that wants to queue solo is boned. Sure. I can solo as a heavy sometimes. Yeah, it works yeah, I can. Well, sometimes. Well, not if everyone is using rail rifles. <laughs> Yeah, yeah that's when you call him a tank, and anyone that gets near your tank, you just pop out and mow him down. I mean, I do find him my Mimitar Sentinel solo, man. I mean, I got like more militia repair, so I don't. I'm not sure exactly. It's been a while since I played. I do find solo in my Mimitar Sentinel. You know, I don't really rely on a logic at all. Yeah. 
Yeah, but for your average player, um, you're going to run into a lot of problems, especially as heavies or supportive roles when you queue so low matches like that, simply because of the nature of it. Yeah, I mean, and I would also point out that, you know, I, like when I run solo, most of the times I will, I'll still run Logi. Um, that's, that's not a very forgiving way to play. Uh, if you really don't know what you're doing, if you try to like just solo Logi, that's a great way to like get killed and spend a lot of isk. Suffice to say that solo really only works for scouts and assault suits. I would pretty much yeah. agree with that. I just, well, you can solo, you can solo Logi. You just need to you just need to work with blueberries, which is painful at times but functional. Right. I think that I think the point though is it's really hard. Like you need to be able to talk to them. Like I thought yeah. we were talking about talk free for all. I'd actually like to see that like what Legion would potentially have in terms of PvE and exploration solo because I would buy I'm that a big more. Fan of solo play, but not in terms exclusively of PvP. So maybe. Like if you're if I think Hinox is onto it. Like I mean, that is where solo play really shines is when you can do PVE and the the other component. I, I'm I'm down with a team with a deathmatch style, but what you have is team deathmatch. So the minute you introduce the T word into it, that changes the paradigm. Um, but if it was like 32 players you know, last man standing wins kind of thing, fine, but you would really have to change the construct of of that game mode, like, dramatically uh, to, to, I think, uh, accommodate that. In reference to exploration and, uh, you know, s solo play, I, I had always thought about, since FanFest, what, what I do, you know, on a planet where a bunch of hostile targets are are dropping in and the first thing and the only thing that ever comes to mind is i'll just be sitting up on some mountain somewhere with a s s s sniper rifle picking people off w when they're busy and i would just have fun doing that all day yes i would like i would immensely enjoy some sort of stealth mechanic possibly tied to pve if it's a simple detection meter hmm. I, I believe i went into this before but some sort of like stealth mechanic with the pve regarding the NPCs would increase the dynamic of the game like tremendously. Yeah, I think that'd be probably pretty legit. I, I just, I'm sitting here listening to you. I, I like the idea that you got a high knocks and the, the thought that popped in my head is we use basically a version of the Unreal Engine and I remember playing Unreal Tournament many, many moons ago that would have, was it 32? Like, I think it was like 32 bots, like you versus 30 other bots in the game. And that oh, was yeah. years ago. I, you would think is, that they would be able to figure that out. The problem is those bots were so freaking stupid. <laughs> that's not the point. That's, that's absolutely not the point. The fact is that they had it. <laughs> yeah, it's more or less the option, choice. Well, think it's about all, all the problems we have with terrain right now. Can you imagine how uh, dumb the bots would be with the terrain problems combined? I can just see a heavy bot trying to jump o o o over a fence or, or, or something just nonstop, and, and, and you're going to sit there, have a Coke, and, and, and just watch that all, all, all so day. So what you're I saying they could would fly. be about as smart as a blueberry. Got it. Uh, then try to factor in stuff like maybe wildlife AI or robots or some sort of obtuse AI. Dinosaurs. Not humanoid. 
No, yes. I want zombie dinosaurs. I want to fight zombie dinosaurs with drones. That's how you make game of the year. I want. I want to fight Sancha's nation. That would actually be very legit. Yeah, though. that would yeah. be very. That is a bot, basically. Pretty I mean, much. it's a big cyber zombie. That that would that would work out really well. Yeah, I mean, and that actually f works really well with Eve because basically a large part of their their high payout PVE is incursions, uh, and you're basically doing the ground side of an incursion that way. That'd be a, that'd be a great tie-in, Lethargic. I've wanted that for a long time. I even wrote a thread about it once about what it it, it, it would look like. And, and basically, the, the the way it would work, if you guys want to hear about this, um, is, is that basically, four, it, it, it would be a four-player match against, oh, let's see, 32 minutes, against 28 Sancha's clones. And I, 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 was, I was thinking that you, you, you basically have to, 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 to hold out until it, it's like something, I don't know, like extraction or, or reinforcement until yeah yeah you, you know and you just have to hold out and you only get x uh, uh, amount of clones and it just takes a, a lot of skill to be able to hold the line you get like a, a defensive place and whatnot and they're tougher than players but they're since they're ai they're obviously not as smart so that's why you make them tougher that would actually be pretty fun like something like squad based like that i, I like that yeah sort of expanding one more thing I, I would like to add on that. What I'd like to add on to that is that in EVE, I remember when Incursions first came out, and whenever you were in a space dock dur during an Incursion, in an Incursion region, there, there, there would be this uh, siren that, that, that you could hear. I, I don't think it's there anymore, but uh, what that... And, and there was like this like hazy like fog in, in, in space that you, you know d just made the places more more creepy and to me that elicited an emotional response of this not immediate fear but it made me uneasy just b because of the atmosphere and if like we could have like some sort of in, in environment environment modification to elicit an an emotional response, like we we have uh, what what do they call those kinds of si sirens? An air raid siren. That's it. Klaxon. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's still it's still in there too. Yeah. 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 If we could it. get that with like a heavy like black smoke fog and dust, oh my god, dude, I would be set. That. To give the Sanchez nation like glowing red eyes, like more so than Proto, like Proto won't have nothing on their eyes. Just saying. It would be. I yeah, mean, there's Sanchez, a lot of things. Sanchez's cars do. are green. I'm fine. Make them big green glowing eyes. It's very zombie-ish. <laughs> I'm down with that. The uh, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, they could just use like Amar a model, Amar and Kaldari models, and oh, yeah, call it good. Can, um, 
for PvE at least, and this is something I've talked about with um, players in game for like months. Um, maybe for faction warfare, you could also have like a PvE tangent where you go on missions that would relate to factions. Essentially, just have faction-based player models complete with their corresponding weapons and gear, and you just have, say, like Amar command, like Imperial commandos. Objective for like you'd have Minotaur soldiers guarding Minotaur outposts and fighting them would actually boost the war effort in some way. So you'd also be fighting players that are hired by these empires to do battle, but you'd yeah. also be competing simultaneously with like PVE enemies that would still provide bonuses in the West to the cause. I think that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good idea, man. The uh, so I not to cut anybody short, the uh, we'll, we'll go real quick for saved rounds here in a second, but I think that's a pretty good wrap up of some uh, things that are kind of partial. What we there's a thought of like what we would want to see in Legion. Like again, that's assuming Legion isn't a board game, um, but you know what? It's kind of pushing the envelope of what might eventually be uh, available in Dust uh, down the road, like a few months from now, maybe like six, seven months months from now. It might be interesting to see, but I'll be very honest with you. I think before they got to that, what I'd really like them to figure out how to do is to like, I don't know, add some player count. Like, even if it's just another six or eight guys per side, I think that would be, uh, I think that'd be pretty fun. Uh, Yeah, I I think, and I think that you've got a player base that that can actually, actually do that. Uh, And I think you'd probably see more people, uh, trying to get into the game mode, uh, particularly if you only had one game mode that offered it. So that's just a thought. I, I think if there's a, mo- a modest increase in the player count per match, I think that would be pretty awesome. But with that, guys, let's uh, real quick, if there's any saved rounds, anybody got any last shots before we do uh, shout-outs? Nope. Okay. So what we'll do is we'll do shout-outs. We'll start at the top, and then we'll kind of work our way down. So Lethargic, any shout-outs? Uh, to CCP Ratati, G- give us incursions. Shut up and take my money. <laughs> okay. All right. Degand. Uh, to, C- to CCP, yeah. I want to see some of Legion, you know, sometime soon. Yeah. Okay. Hinox. Um, thanks CCP for not banning me from my latest endeavor. Okay. In, ca- in case nobody heard Hinox, he said thank you CCP for not banning him. I will add the keyword yet. Uh, Iron Wolf. I like to give a shout out to CCP uh, and our team for continuing on uh, support for Dust. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, and Jedek. Like to give a shout out to the nameless capsuleers and mercenaries who've entered the market, Mistress. Your tips are very much appreciated. <laughs> Would you like to tell everybody where they can get a hold of the market, Mistress? Market Mistress can be uh, found in your local New Eden chat. She is uh, available to pleasure you in all forms of lore and market items. I can assure you that uh, his service is making the rounds in the New Eden world and in Eve. <laughs> it, is, it, it is all that you might think it would be. Um, okay, Pokey? Uh, shout out to all the, the new guys here. Thanks for showing up for the show. It's always get new new guests on and, and get your ideas. Also, shout out to everyone who's been helping me and commenting on my vehicle redesign document, Godin included, because he's crying in the Skype chat. Um, but True Adamants and, and, and many others have been helping me with that. So shout out to you guys. You're awesome. 
Okay, and Zell? Yeah, I'm going to give uh, uh, my shout-out to Comcast for shutting off my internet yesterday at 5.30 <laughs> in, the, in the morning, um, and then taking uh, at least four or five hours to figure out how to install it properly at my new place. So, um, good job to them. I, if people have noticed, I've been pretty much non-present this weekend. There is a reason for that. Okay. All right. And uh, I'm Jason Larson, and I guess my shout-outs this week go to... Ah, I'll give a shout-out to my son, Parker. He just had his birthday, uh, or his birthday party. His actual birthday is on the 31st of December, which generally means he doesn't get a birthday party, so we do it like this weekend. So, shout-out to, to my best bro. Uh, and I'm, I will soon be getting him acquainted with a PlayStation controller here as soon as his mom doesn't, isn't looking at me. Uh, so that's my shout out for the week. And I think we're going to call episode 33, uh, done and in the box. And we will see you guys next week. Uh, one quick caveat. We will probably announce next week kind of holiday hours, like what our, uh, what our plan for the holidays are. So we may be taking a week or two off because we've got a lot of people traveling, but rest assured we'll, we'll get everybody a, a big heads up. And again, huge response last week from the, uh, the Rattati show. Uh, I think we, we broke most of our download records by a long shot. And uh, I really appreciate that. I know Zell and Pokey do as well. It's going to be uh, an expensive month. It is. And that's a good thing. And that's a good thing. So we, we do a, Appreciate the heck out of it. Uh, you know, everybody that gives us feedback and then listens to the show and then shoots me Twitters or, or gets us all on the email or whatever, but we, we do appreciate it. And uh, if there's anything we can add to the show or whatever, feel free. Shoot us, shoot us a note. Or if you ever want to be on the show, shoot us a note. And uh, we'll, we'll be glad to have you on. Uh, okay, guys. And we're going to bring this episode of Biomass to a close.